Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand and together we're going to sing some Christmas carols as we have come to church tonight and this, the sanctuary building, the whole church is decorated for Christmas. Let's sing Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore. Sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. opportunity to be able to come out with our brothers and sisters in Christ, sing songs of praise to you and lift our hearts up to you in prayer. We thank you for the way you watch over our church family and I just pray that you help each of us to draw near to you, to share you with our community, that people might understand that truly Christmas is about Christ. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his praise. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, 
if you would turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Now, Thursday was a special day in most of our homes. Does anybody know what Thursday was? It was Thanksgiving Day, wasn't it? And lots of us had a house full of guests or we went and were part of a house full of guests. I think the maximum I heard was uh, Bill and D. Kip who had, I think they told me 14 adults and it equaled about 31 people in their house. Um, so that was a bunch. Sandra, Joe and I, we, I think our family was 14 that we had. Any, anybody want to tell us the shocking amount of people you sat around the table at your event? 20. 20 at your house. Anybody else? All right, that's a bunch. Of course, Doris, I mean, did... I didn't count. You didn't count. It's just a blur of humanity. Yeah. So what I want to do tonight is I want to bring you and, and introduce you so, to some guests, some Bible guests. If you'll go with me to Colossians chapter 4, we're going to find the Apostle Paul talking about his circle of friends. And that's usually what Thanksgiving dinner is about, isn't it? Family and friends. We come together, we share the day, we share the food. Hopefully you shared testimonies of Thanksgiving. And here when we come to Colossians chapter 4, what you find is the Apostle Paul reflecting and sharing and challenging about his circle of friends in, uh, as, he's, as he's writing to the church in Colossae. So I'm going to read you Colossians chapter 4 verses 7 through 18. And what I'm going to do is just briefly take you down through and talk about these individuals and who they are, their connection to the apostle. And I'm going to challenge you to maybe step back and look at yourself and ask you, well, if I was a friend of the Apostle Paul, how would I be remembered? Because these are all remembered by something. How would we be remembered? So we'll take it here in verse 7 and I'll read down to verse 18. And all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments, if, you come unto, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. 
Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, amen. So as we come to this text, we start working down through, and he starts off, if you'll look with me at verse 7 down through 8, and he talks about an individual by the name of Tychicus. And Tychicus is clearly a man of faith and a man who practices his faith. When Paul introduces us to him in the text, it says, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. So he's writing to the church in Colossae, and he's saying to him, now I'm going to send to you Tychicus. And when Tychicus comes, he's going to talk to you about what's going on in my life. He's gonna bring to you all of what is the state of my condition in the state of our ministry. He is a beloved brother. And we should ask ourselves, are we ourselves beloved brothers and sisters in Christ? When our fellow believers think of us, are we beloved or are we tolerated or less? You know, are we somebody who really works at trying to be that brother or sister in Christ who is beloved? And then he goes on in the middle of the verse talking about Tychicus, he says he is a faithful minister. Now, sometimes we take that and we really make that about the ministry, as if he was an ordained minister. But in reality, this is a broad term of somebody who ministers to others. And all of us should be ministering. Amen? No matter who we are, no matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what our circle, it should be that we are ministering to others. Tychicus is a minister and a fellow servant of the Apostle Paul and the Lord. He's, he goes on in verse 8, he says, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. So he's saying, just as I'm sending Tychicus, and he's going to talk about our state, our state of condition, so I'm sending him to inquire of your state. How are you? How are you doing? And also to comfort your hearts. Then he comes down to the next person. Can anybody tell us who that is? Onesimus. And where have we heard of an Onesimus? Pardon? Earlier today in church. That's right. We heard about it earlier today in church. John? The book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. And, and so what do we know about Onesimus? He was a slave. He what? He was a He was a slave and he was, Patty? He was a runaway slave. And how did the Apostle Paul meet him? In prison. That's right. And so Paul writes to somebody about Onesimus. Who's he write to? Philemon. He writes to Philemon. And let's look at what he has to say to Philemon about Onesimus. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Philemon. Very easy to find right there before the book of Hebrews. And it says in Philemon, verses 10 and 13, listen to what he has to say. I beseech thee, as he writes to Philemon, 
I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. That, so Paul is saying, I have led Onesimus to Christ while we are in prison together. And so what are we imagining that Onesimus is in prison for? He's a runaway slave. That's exactly right. And as we come down, he says, I beseech thee for my Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is mine own bowels, my own heart, whom I, have, I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing. He's saying, without, without your permission, I wouldn't do that. That thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. So here you find the apostle writing about Onesimus to Philemon, his servant who had run away, who had become unprofitable to him, but had become profitable to Paul. And here we find him mentioning him again. He tells us here in Colossians chapter four, with, I, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So we find that Tychicus and Onesimus are now traveling together. So what would this make us learn that Philemon did. Anybody want to take a shot at it? He what? I, I couldn't hear it. He forgave him and a step further, he would have given him his freedom. <clears throat> because the only way Onesimus is traveling with Tychicus is if he's now a freeman. He no longer belongs to Philemon. Otherwise, Philemon would have him there laboring as his servant, as his slave. But as a brother in Christ, Philemon has gone ahead and given him the freedom to travel and to minister in Philemon's stead. Remember the Apostle Paul said, I would keep him that he might minister to me in your stead, but I wouldn't do that without your permission. So now we see here as time passes that Onesimus now is that individual who is stepping in, in the stead of Philemon and serving the Lord. Uh, John chapter eight, verse 32 says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And here we find that the truth of Jesus Christ set Onesimus free. Let's go down a little bit farther and we'll look at the next one in verse 10. And can somebody tell us who that is? Who's that person in verse 10? Aristarchus. That's exactly right. So Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you in Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. So we find Aristarchus, his what? his fellow servant, his fellow prisoner, in fact, isn't he? So we find Aristarchus, this individual who has gone ahead and served the Lord and, be, and has now been imprisoned with the Lord, I mean, with uh, the Apostle Paul. And here he is ministering 
and serving as a fellow prisoner. Acts 5.41 says, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. When we look back at the apostles and we look at the servants of Christ in the early church, you find people who oftentimes rejoiced in the suffering that they had, that they were counted worthy to go ahead and suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. They were willing to step up. In fact, in Acts uh, 5.41, that text I just read to you, the very next few verses, it shows us that even though they were commanded not to teach and preach in the name of Jesus Christ, they did it anyways. They boldly preached Christ because they were the servants of Christ, if not even the prisoners of Christ. So here we see Aristarchus. He'd be a great guy to have for Thanksgiving, wouldn't he? As he came and visited with you and told you about all his encounters, told you about being in prison with the Apostle Paul, shared all that was going on. But let's go down to the second part of verse 10, and we're introduced to another person. Who is that? Marcus. And you guys sound so excited about that. The, the, the energy is, I'm, I'm just drawing from that energy tonight. Did you have a long, hard day cutting firewood? Is that what the deal is tonight? I'm thinking so. Or just a rainy, dark day, wasn't it? Look with me at verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. And how do we know Barnabas? That's right. He was with Paul in his missionary journeys. So here we're introduced to Marcus the sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandment, if he come unto you, receive him. So Paul had already communicated to them and said, now listen, Marcus may be coming by. He's doing ministry. And if he comes by, I want you to welcome him. And imagine, if you would, imagine the Middle East it is a rough, dry, arid place. It is not an easy place to journey. In fact, uh, this week when we were there, over there in Israel, we had come to a section that we went underground in Jerusalem. And underground, we were walking on a Roman road that was built about the time of Jesus Christ. In fact, they said this would have been the main thoroughfare at the time Christ walked upon the earth. You think that's up above, but that's not up above. It's the cities build upon cities. But we were underground. And as we're walking, I thought to myself, man, this is not smooth ground. This is not like a nice poured cement sidewalk. I like walking on nice smooth ground if I'm gonna be traveling and walking. But this is more like cobblestone. And if you've ever walked on rounded, topped cobblestone, it's rough, isn't it? So imagine these men as they journey. And, and I want you to visualize coming from Jerusalem and traveling along Israel, going up, up and across, all the way over into Europe. I mean, these guys traveled vast di distances. And so here he tells the church in Colossae, he says, if... Marcus were to come, please welcome him, receive him, because he is somebody who I want you to encourage in the ministry.
Let's go down to the next one in the very first part of verse 11. And, Je and Jesus, which is called what? Justice. 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 Who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. So he says, Marcus and Justice, and Justice is a Jewish convert. He's not a Gentile. See, he's writing to the church in Colossae. And if you note, in some places he references, oh, these are people who were one of you, Onesimus being one with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who's one of you, being a Gentile, from a Gentile region. But when he comes down here, he points out the fact that justice is of the circumcision. He's Jewish. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. Now that's insult, uh, insightful, isn't it? When you look and you understand the Apostle Paul is saying, these folks here, not only did they labor with me, they comforted me. And when you come together for your Thanksgiving dinner and your Thanksgiving lunch, however you did it, isn't it nice to be with people who comfort you? Yeah. People who make you feel at ease. People who encourage you in your life. Um, I was talking to somebody, I think I was talking to John, that was saying that there's been some Thanksgivings when they gather with all their family and like there's distance relative, distant relatives who will start getting upset about politics or religion. Have you ever been in those circumstances? And he said, you know, one lady, she just got mad. She stood up and said, one thing you're not supposed to talk about is politics and religion. She just left. I mean, they got upset. That's not comforting, is it? Because when they stomp out, now it leaves everybody else feeling bad. But when you look here, the apostle is saying, uh, he's saying, listen, justice is somebody who, like Paul, was a Jew. But like Paul, he's serving and working for the Lord Jesus Christ. But unlike all the other co-laborers, justice was somebody who really tried to comfort Paul in a unique way. Let's go on down a little bit farther. Look with me at verses 12 down through 13. And we're introduced to Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So when we're introduced to Epaphras, what do we know about him already? Just one verse. What do we know about him? Servant of Jesus Christ. What's his background? What's his religious background? He's one of them. He's a Gentile. He's from that region, that Colossae region. Uh, he's not of the circumcision. So Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, he salutes you and listen to what he says. Always laboring fervently for you in prayer. What do we call a person like that? A prayer warrior. He is a prayer warrior. He's praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ back in Colossae. In fact, he expands on that. Listen to what he goes on to say about him in verse 13. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them that in Her Heropolis. 
So he's telling us that in that region, as you come up into Israel, come up north, come across the modern day Turkey, Laodicea is right over there across, not far from the Mediterranean Sea. In that region, he's saying, you know what? The, this individual, Epaphras, he has such a burden for his nationality, his people, his region. He's burdened for them and he's praying for them. Fervently, he's concerned for them. You and I, how much do we pray for our region, our people? You know, if the Apostle Paul was writing about you, would he write and say, this person's my fellow laborer and they're burdened for their Addison County. They're burdened for Vermont. They're burdened for New England. Praying for them, caring about them. You know, in Vermont, there are a number of churches that are looking for pastors. There's a serious shortage of young people who are surrendering to go into the ministry. It's a real concern for pastors. Uh, while I was on this trip to Israel, it was all pastors. And as, as we would talk at dinners and meals and when we'd visit at different places, oftentimes it would come around to talking about the shortage of young people who are surrendering to the ministry. And there are churches all across America right now who cannot find pastors. Right now in Vermont, we have two or three small congregations that cannot find a pastor. You and I need to be praying. We need to be praying for New England. We need to be praying for Vermont. We need to pray for Addison County. We need to pray for our people. As we come down a little bit farther, look at what we come to in verse 14, the very first part of verse 18. This is somebody who, when I ask you who he is, you should be able to tell me a lot about him. So we come to Luke, the beloved physician. So what do we know about Luke? He's a physician. He's a physician. He traveled with the, with the Apostle Paul and he's the one that wrote the book of Luke. That's right. right. Traveled with the Apostle Paul, wrote the book of Luke, but that's not the only book he wrote. He wrote the book of Acts as well. Wrote the book of Acts as well. We studied here just a couple of years ago. We studied all the way through the Gospel of Luke, all the way through the book of Acts, because we studied the writings of Luke. So here we find somebody who, in fact, the Apostle Paul, he references him as my beloved physician. But here he says, Luke is traveling with him. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So he, he's talking about these people who are fellow travelers, fellow ministers. It's not that they're ordained ministers. They're not pastoring churches. They're working and serving as lay people who are looking at their gift. Luke had a gift. He was a doctor. And he's going to use his gift to minister to this apostle and probably to the other apostles, probably to the others who are traveling and journeying and ministering. He's using his gift to help them be able to do more for the Lord. And you in your life, you want to ask yourself, Lord, how can I use my gift? Whatever my gift may be. Maybe, you know, maybe you're a great prayer warrior. Maybe you're a great encourager. Uh, you, the Bible talks about the gift of giving. Maybe you're a great giver. 
but maybe, maybe you're also a great teacher, an encourager, somebody who can really help others to feel like you care about them and Christ cares about them. As we look at this list of people, we find people that have made a mark in the service of Christ, in the life of the Apostle Paul. In the day and age they lived, they took their gifts and they used them to the glory of God. Look as we come down to the second part of verse 14, and it tells us not only Luke, the beloved physician, but Demas, he, he greets you. He's saying to the Apostle Paul, hey, by the way, I, I heard you're writing a letter to the church in Colossae. And when you write that letter, tell them I said hi. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said to a friend, listen, I know you're going to go by so-and-so's. Tell them I said hi. Uh, this last week, I had to have some lock work done. And I went by to the locksmith, Bob. And when I was there at Bob, Bob said to me, hey, Kurt was just here a little while ago. Well, that was the second time I'd been there that week to chat with him. And so I said to him, I said, well, that is great. And so I sat down on, he has kind of a hospital bed in his room there. I sat down on one end, he sat down on the other. And I started trying to talk to him about the gospel. I tried to give him the gospel. And, and Bob kind of let me know, we're not going to talk about that. And I said, well, I'm sure Kurt has talked to you about the gospel. And he kind of let me know, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but you know, he is the one who said to me, Kurt's been by. We've got that connection. And here what's happening is Demas had said to the apostle, hey, let them know I'm thinking of them. Say hi to them. There's a connection between them. And you and I and our community and our families the people we know, there should be a connection. You should strive to make a connection with people. It's the way you're able to share your faith one with another and spread the gospel. And so we find that absolutely he was willing to do that. He says, Demas says, hey, good to see you. It's kind of like you and I, maybe Smokey and Suzanne are live streaming tonight. They usually live stream all the services. And we just say, hey, Smokey and Suzanne. You know, each of us, we make a connection with those people that we know and love. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 says, Demoth has forsaken me, having loved the present world. So not always are the friends we have as faithful all the time. But do we stop being friends? Because Demoth... Demas, while he had forsaken the Apostle Paul for a time, also we find that he is serving with the Apostle Paul another time. So we learn a lesson about our friends. Sometimes friends go through bad times, don't they? Sometimes friends kind of slide off and we help draw them back in. Sometimes we have to be that person who lifts up. And sometimes we have to be that person that gets lifted up. So here we find this little insight into the Apostle Paul's circle of friends. We'll say maybe his Thanksgiving dinner. We find a friend who at one time was not such a great friend, but he's a good friend now. And we have to be a forgiving people, a tolerant people, an understanding people. When our friends stumble and fall, we reach out and we help them get back up. Just like when Peter fell. 
Can you imagine if the Lord Jesus Christ had not forgiven Peter when he denied him three, three times, even cursing? But the Lord does forgive. And you and I should be forgiving. Amen? That's a little weak. Let's try it one more time. We should be forgiving of one another. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. It's a real part of life. And here we find that with the Apostle Paul as well. We come down to verse 15 and we find him talking to us about Nymphus. Uh, Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. So we are introduced to Nymphus. Now maybe our immediate instinct is to think, oh, he must be a pastor. He's got a church in his house. But there's no guarantee of that. That doesn't say he's the pastor. It just simply says he has a church in his house. Maybe he's a host. Maybe he's a person who raises his hand and says, hey, listen, you can use my front room. It's okay. He's a willing servant of Christ, willing to stand up. Even when his neighbors maybe are looking and saying, oh, that guy's a, he's a, he's a religious nut. You see that he's got a whole group of people coming over his place on Sundays. But you and I, we get in our car and we drive to church every Sunday. We come and we worship the Lord. There may be people who think that we're religious nuts, crazy people. That's okay. I've always said, I'd rather be a nut as long as I'm screwed on the right bolt. And I know that I'm screwed on the right bolt when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we find somebody who's gone ahead and opened his home for people to be able to come and to worship. Nymphus and the church which is in his house. We come to verse 16. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. It's interesting, when I was in college, one of the things we talked about is this reference to the epistle from Laodicea. So there were letters written, weren't there? Letters that are not part of the canon. They're not part of our Bible. They were not determined to be inspired as the books that we hold in our hand are. That's an important thing for us to remember when all of a sudden you're watching and the Discovery Channel comes on and says, oh, a brand new book has been found that was written about Jesus Christ back in the first century. And we learn all these new things about him, that he did all kinds of strange things and was married and had kids and all that kind of wacko stuff they throw into those documentaries. Listen, we have right here the word of God. Amen. This is the canon. This is the recognized books of the inspired writings. So when we see something like that, that references the epistle from the Laodiceans, we understand they wrote letters back and forth all the time. But that didn't make it the inspired word of God. So here we come to verse 17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be unto you. So we find Archippus, the man who got the job done. Here he is. He's taking heed to the ministry which he has received from the Lord. 
And each of us should look at our lives and ask ourselves, am I taking heed to what God has called me to do? Uh, I'm the pastor of Victory Baptist Church. Am I taking heed to that work and doing the work that God has called me to do? Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, or maybe you are a prayer warrior, or maybe you are a, a person who's a giver or an encourager. Whatever it is that your gift is, whatever your calling is, are you taking heed to that or are you ignoring it? But Archippus, he's somebody who's going to get the job done. Are you getting the job done God has called you to do? Surely you're not thinking you're too old to serve the Lord, nor that you are too young. Because we find throughout the scriptures, both the old and the young. The Apostle Paul talks in the book of Colossians about being old, but yet he's still serving the Lord. And we know that he writes to a young man by the name of what? Timothy. Timothy. He says, hey, don't let them, don't let them discriminate against you because of your age. Because you're young. No, whether we're young or old, we have a place in serving the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's my Bible study for tonight. That's my message for tonight. So go back, look at those individuals in your text. Think about them and kind of ask yourself, well, if the Lord was writing about me, if God was inspiring words to be written about me, what would they be? Amen. Amen. I saw today, I had received from somebody, they sent me a picture of a tombstone. And I, I think to myself, there's all kinds of things that could be written on a tombstone about a person. And this one here, the only thing written on it was, I told you I was sick. I thought there was a little bit of humor there. But at the same time, it's kind of a sad epitaph for life isn't it? I'm hoping that Sandra Joe has chiseled in my stone more than he said he was sick. Right, Sandra Joe? All right. Clearly not a comedian. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we thank you that we could come and be in your house tonight. And I do thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we look down this list in the book of Colossians from the Apostle Paul about his friends, his co-laborers, his fellow servants and fellow prisoners, we learn from all the things that he just references about them. And we learn ourselves what kind of person we should be. It gives us a moment of reflection. I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that helps us to see how we ourselves can be better at walking with you and allowing you to guide us and direct us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.